Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning, it's Pastor Julie. We're in week six of our Unbreakable, the Story of Joseph series, and we are in chapters 43 of Genesis through 45, 15, and we're just reading selected verses. So here we go. Then Judah said to his father Israel, send the boy with me and let us be on our way so that we may live and not die, you and we and also our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. You can hold me accountable for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. When Joseph came home, they brought him the present they had carried into the house and bowed to the ground before him. He inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive, and they bowed their heads and did obeisance. Then he looked up and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. With that, Joseph hurried out because he was overcome with affection for his brother, and he was about to weep. So he went into a private room and wept there. Then he commanded the steward of his house, Fill the men's sacks with food, As much as they can carry and put each man's money in the top of his sack, put the cup, my cup, the silver cup, in the top of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. And as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. When they had gone only a short distance from the city, Joseph said to his steward, Go, follow after the men, and and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you returned evil for good? Why have you stolen my silver cup? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks? Does he not indeed use it for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. And Judah said, Should it be found with any one of your servants, let him die. Moreover, the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. He said, Even so, in accordance with your words, let it be. He with whom it is found shall become my slave, but the rest of you shall go free. Then each one quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each opened his sack. He searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this they tore their clothes. Then each one loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. Now Judah said again, Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, when he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became surety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I will bear the blame in the sight of my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain as a slave to my Lord in place of the boy. And let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the suffering that would come upon my father. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother ben Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In 2018, a Dallas police officer coming home from work entered what she thought to be her apartment and shot what she said was an intruder. As it turned out, she was on the wrong floor and entered into the victim's apartment. He was in his own apartment eating a bowl of ice cream. She claimed it was a huge mistake. Others claimed that she should have known and did not follow any sort of correct procedure which led to this man's death. The family were, as you can imagine, devastated. Everything changes when a loved one is taken from you under normal circumstances, but when it seems so unfair, unjust, and preventable, it carries with what I have heard is a deeper grief that just never leaves you. These are the kinds of things that happen in life which cause some of us to carry that grief, that anger with us for a long time. Can we expect forgiveness when something like this happens? Yet, the victim's brother did exactly that. At the sentencing hearing, he asked permission to give this woman a hug, and as he did, he spoke of forgiveness. She began to cry. He was crying. Maybe it was not a full reconciliation, but it was, I think, the beginning of healing for both of them. And last month, Pope Francis made a journey to Canada to acknowledge the past devastating harm to the Native people inflicted by the Catholic boarding schools that forced Native children to come and live there. They intentionally sought to strip those children of their heritage, their dignity, and even their names, often burying them in unmarked graves when they died under their care. He acknowledged those crimes, spoke of the past with the goal of never letting it happen again, and asked for their forgiveness. Not really knowing how anyone or any group of people can forgive such horrors, the process has finally begun. Forgiveness was offered, but they all know it's a journey, not an instant in time. As I've said before, those who don't remember the past are often doomed to repeat it. The past can be like a chain around our necks, holding us back from the future that God has planned for us. We all have to deal with the past in order to move forward. And that is where we are today in our story of Joseph. We are in week six, which began in Genesis chapter 37. And in that chapter, we hear about the big dreams Joseph has that send his brothers over the edge and create the reason for their jealousy, which leads them to selling their own brother into slavery. And Joseph ends up in Egypt as a slave, then unjustly accused of a crime. He ends up in prison. He may have been a pretentious 17-year-old back home, but he has not deserved any of this terrible treatment. Throughout the story, the first dream of his brothers and family bowing down to him have been 
underneath the surface as we see those two dreams that are becoming a reality even with the sinful actions of the human beings in his life that have caused him such suffering. We see God at work in the midst of his suffering, working for Joseph's good and setting the scene for those dreams to finally come true. And in our reading this morning, this is exactly what has happened. Those dreams are coming true. But before anyone can move on, there has to be a day of reckoning, the moment of truth, so to speak, when the one harmed must face the ones who caused the harm. What we haven't seen in this story is what has been happening with those brothers all this time. Have they felt any remorse? Has guilt changed them at all? If faced with the same situation, will they make the same selfish choice they made with Joseph? And is there any way for Joseph to forgive what has happened? Can they be reconciled? See, God has created Joseph and his brothers to be the future leaders of his people. It is a glorious future. But they can't move into that future, carrying the weight of their sins with them. In our story today, Joseph seems to dismiss their sins by saying God planned it all. Now, we spoke last week about the sins in our own lives, and we've all sinned and caused harm somehow, some way. Can we dismiss our own sins if, as if they were irrelevant because they were all part of God's plan? If that were true, there would be no value in guilt or grief over our sins, no need for prisons. We wouldn't need to repent and try and live a holy life or be better people because the blame lies with God and not us. Now, we know that can't be strictly true, so let's explore what Joseph means here. There's a lot going on in our text today, so please take the time to read the whole passage as we just don't have time to read it all. The main point of this section is that Joseph has set a trap regarding his brothers, and their attitude toward his youngest brother, Benjamin. He's cunning and almost brutal, so maybe there's a hint of revenge, making them feel at least a part of what their actions made him feel over those years. He wants to know if they will treat Benjamin, the new favorite son, the same way they treated him. Or has time and possibly guilt given them some compassion? In other words, are they remorseful for what they did to him? Are they different men? It's almost as if he can't forgive them until he has the answer to those questions. And maybe we don't really hear the words God or Lord until Joseph utters it in this section. But we can see God at work in and through all of these brothers. We know God has been working in and through Joseph all these years, shaping him into the leader he needed to be, both to save Egypt and to save his family. And here is where we see how God has been working in the brothers too. How they deal with this test will tell the tale for Joseph, for the brothers, for us, but more importantly, for God. Yes, Joseph wants to see if these brothers have had a change of heart, see if they will make the better choice when faced with the same situation. But God has been working in them as they have carried this sin, this lie with them all these years. God has chosen them to lead his people into the future. Have they become the people God needs them to be? Men of integrity, men of compassion, men of strength, people who value their family, especially their bond as brothers? There's a lot riding on the response of these brothers to this test, both the ones who sold Joseph and Joseph himself. The promise 
given to Abraham, that this family will become a people more numerous than the stars. To be a light to the nations is at stake in this test. The future God planned is at a crossroads. Now, I don't think these brothers or any of them truly understand the gravity of this moment. Do they know what's at stake here? Are they even thinking about what God wants at all? Think back in your life and see if you can find a moment when you were faced with a decision, a choice that maybe seemed inconsequential at the time, but maybe later you realized the gravity of the choice you made. Maybe it was something like whether to get married or not, what college to go to, what career to do. But we also see it where people say something hurtful. And the target of those hurtful words, either verbally or on social media, that person becomes suicidal and maybe acts on those thoughts. A life is ended just because someone needed to feel superior or vent their own frustrations and fears on someone else. Domestic violence especially when the victim decides to stay, can leave a legacy for their children that makes it acceptable, setting them up to be victims or perpetrators in the future. Getting in your car after a few drinks, making the decision to drive home may not seem like an issue to you, but then you cross the line and kill someone else. It impacts a whole family. No matter what our decisions, great or small, our sins, Doing the wrong thing or failing to do the right thing has an impact on others. Sin is selfish and self-centered, only thinking about ourselves. And Jesus tells us over and over that the right thing is to put others' needs ahead of our own, to do the loving thing, and even lose our own life for the sake of others. And this is where we find the brothers here. When they first sold Joseph into slavery, they were only thinking about themselves. They had no concern for their brother or their father who lived with grief for over 20 years, believing his son had been killed by wild animals. But here, as Benjamin is threatened, they face causing their father's grief once again. And they do put his welfare ahead of their own. They stand up, ready to sacrifice themselves for the sake of their father and their brother. And this is true to shuva, the Hebrew word, meaning a return to God. In our Bibles, it's usually translated repentance. And to repent means to turn around or return to the right path. So we see evidence of teshuva when we are faced with the same choice and we make a different choice, one grounded in our faith and our love for God and our neighbor, because we have learned what is right and have the wisdom and strength to do it. These brothers can now move into the future because by God's grace, God has made a way for them to find redemption from their past, to begin again and be reconciled to one another, to themselves and to God. But something is happening in Joseph too that I believe he is totally unaware of until now. God has allowed him to work through all his pain, to face his brothers without fear, and give him the grace to start the process of healing and forgiveness. Joseph says to his brothers, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you 
to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now he will make this statement again near the end of the story, but let's look at it more closely. Is he saying that it didn't matter that his brothers treated him so cruelly? Is he also saying those false charges were okay since they were part of God's plans? That Joseph spending all that time in prison was of no real consequence? If we interpret it as saying God did all of this and condoned and even planned for sin, then we go back to the statement that there's no guilt should be required. It wasn't our choice, our fault, so we can do what we want. God's in total control, and what we do doesn't change anything. But we know that's not true. God does not condone sin. God does not plan for or make any of his children commit sin on purpose to fulfill his plans. Every sin is a choice that we make that goes against what God has planned for us. So how do we reconcile Joseph's statement to what has happened in his story? Well, we start at the beginning. We can remember that God created that perfect world. That was God's plan. Yet sin altered everything and created chaos in our lives and in the world. Yet God would not let us go. Even as we began to take each other's lives, cause great harm to one another, turn away from our relationship with God in so many ways, God's love was then and still is unbreakable. God has always worked in and through the events of history, which include the sins of his people, worked in and through people who have turned away from sin and commit to walking with him so that God's ultimate purpose, a full and joyful reconciliation between God and God's creations would once again fill the earth. This is God's grace, God's unbreakable love, finding resolution and fulfillment even when we continue to sin, when we continue to walk away from our relationship, when we fail to be loving to God and our neighbors time and time again. God gives us freedom to choose. That is actually the ultimate expression of love and grace. God can control everything, but chooses to sacrifice that power to allow us to make our own choices. Give us the freedom to love or not. Yet even with all the wrong choices we continue to make as individuals and as the human race, God will not allow his ultimate plan to be thwarted. In this story, God is working from the beginning to make that dream a reality, to preserve a remnant of his people to bring about the future God has planned. God did not condone any of the sinful behaviors, but God worked in and through each situation to bring about his plan. In this moment, I think Joseph understands that. The dream was not one of ruling over his family, but God's ultimate plan of salvation that would come through him and his unbreakable faith. And it would save his family. But we know that ultimately it brings salvation to the entire world. We know that we are sinful people, and this, but the sins of the world di and didn't stop with Joseph and his brothers. We know that their family endures more suffering before they come out of Egypt and become the people known as Israel. God worked through it all with the purpose of bringing salvation to every human being ever. And it is through this family that Jesus, born from the tribe of Judah, finally comes to be the bearer of God's infinite grace. 
And this grace tells us that no matter what we've done, we can claim the salvation of the cross and move confidently into our future. God has so much planned for us. God created each one of us with a purpose, and sin tries to steal that purpose and redirect us into something else. The cross gives us another chance, a way to make a different choice. By the grace of God, when we repent of our sins and give ourselves to Christ, we can leave our past behind and walk boldly into our future. Nothing we do can separate us from the unbreakable love of God. And if we hold on to our unbreakable faith, we will find that that future is glorious. In this story, Judah offers himself, knowing he is innocent, in exchange for the life of his brother. And it is through Judah's family that the one who gives his life for us all comes to offer us reconciliation, offer us forgiveness, offer us new life. So when we are faced with a decision to do what is best for us or for someone else, we know what to do. And by the grace of God, We have the power to do it. When we are faced with the harm caused by someone else's choices or sins, we can be confident that God will work for our good in the midst of it and in spite of it, and we can offer forgiveness and reconciliation. So face the past, be reconciled, and receive God's grace. Face the future knowing we always have another chance. God's mercies are new every morning. Make the right choice. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself in all things, and you will never go wrong. And remember that no matter what we've done or will do, no matter what's done to us, God's ultimate plan of a new heaven and new earth will one day be a reality. We can count on that. So by the grace of God, We go forward into that beautiful future. Give God the glory. Amen.